Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. So hi folks and welcome to the latest edition of the Kitchen Garden podcast. And I'm here as usual with the team, with Emma and Tony. Hiya. Hiya. Hiya, you guys. Um, but we're, we're delighted to have with us as well uh, Martin, Martin Fish who regular readers of Kitchen Garden magazine will know as, as one of our regular writers. Martin's always there writing about veg, and you've written, I think, Martin, you've uh, written about um, jobs for the month column. What, what haven't you written? I think you've written everything in the magazine. <laughs> More or less, because, yes, yeah. yeah, I have, because I think I first started writing for Kitchen Garden back at, <laughs> I think it was about 2000 and, would it be seven, eight? No. Not long after you'd... And who did some seed trials or something, I'm sure, and then, yes. then stopped for a while and then started again oh, about 10 years ago. So, yeah, now I've seemed to have done all sorts of projects and garden visits, oh. and greenhouse and the lot. <laughs> yes. You're making so me feel Now I've done old. them all. Now I've done them all. Does that mean you're going to kick me out? <laughs> no, <I'm okay. laughs> we'll see how you perform today. This is, this is your exit interview. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> The golden handshake. Gardening, <laughs> <laughs> gardening, it's cyclical, isn't it? So we'll just keep going round and round. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so you're safe, Martin, in that case. We'll just start again. Thank goodness for that. Where we left we'll off continue. in 2009 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, now, Martin, what I'd like to know then is when did you, did you go straight into horticulture at 16? Is that when you started? Uh, yes, it is, Tony. I, um, I mean, I, I grew up in Nottinghamshire in, in, the, in the mining villages. Um, and my dad's family were all coal miners. My dad hadn't been a miner for a number of years. My granddad died uh, at the pit. It was not an accident. He, he had a heart attack and died at the pit when he was in his 50s. So at that point, my dad came out. But um, my brother was a coal miner and all my uncles were coal miners. And say my dad had 10 years down the pit as well. Um, and I never wanted to do that. At 15, all the boys at school were taken down the village pit on a trip and you were taken down, um, you know, the, the down the shaft out to the coal face. It was really exciting, really. And, and then afterwards, you were offered the job there and then to start at the pit when you left school, uh, you know, when you were 16. But I'd already decided I didn't want to do that, to be fair. I, I was going to become, I was actually going to be an engineer. My dad had 
got into engineering and got his own little business. And that was the plan. I was going to leave school, sort of do my apprenticeship and then work with my dad. Um, and I don't know what, I think I'd be probably 13, 14. I got the gardening bug uh, really with my grandma. She had a big garden, sort of very old fashioned cottage garden. She never bought anything. It was all seeds she borrowed or pinched off people or saved her own and cut-ins. A lovely <laughs> garden. Um, and I had an uncle who was a coal miner. He, his hobby was allotments. He had four allotments. Um, so when he wasn't either down the pit or in the village pub, he was on the allotment. <laughs> and um, he entered local shows and things. So I spent quite a lot of time between them. And that's, I think, when I really got to like gardening. And I, I can't remember having a light bulb moment where I suddenly thought, I don't want to be an engineer I'll be a gardener, but it was around that age and mum and dad were very encouraging for me to do that. So, yeah, I left school at 16 and did my apprenticeship on a parks department, did my day release at college as you used to do in those days and the three year apprenticeship and mm -hmm. then went to full time college after that down in Surrey. Um, so, yeah, that's how it all started. And, and I think it's worked out for the best, to be fair, because if I had have gone into engineering, I don't think I'd have been any good. And, you know, I'm getting on now. I mean, I've worked in horticulture for nearly 46 years. If I get a spanner and put it on a nut, I still have to think, is it clockwise or anti-clockwise? So I wouldn't have made a, a natural engineer. I think gardening was the best choice for me. Oh, the next year, Deb and a DIY. I've seen you making things in all your gardens ever since we've known you. I think Emma and I first met you in your Nottinghamshire garden that you were putting together at the time. And that was that was great it was really yeah well yes it was i mean that we 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 had a nursery um and we had you know big big plot on six acres and we sort of gradually wound the nursery down a bit and and when i started writing for magazines in uh 1993 is when i started a lot a lot happened in 1993 i started writing for um a weekly gardening publication uh and i started doing local radio on the bbc on bbc nottingham so uh, in 93, things changed really in my direction slightly. We, we still had the nursery, but um, yeah, I was, you were working for the magazine that I was working for and you used to come out on a regular basis. You yeah, were like, should, should of, we say the name? I don't know if we should. Uh, well, I'm not allowed to, am I? But you, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was Garden News, Garden News. It was Garden News, yes. Yeah, and I, and I still write for them. I don't do weekly now. I've sort of cut it down a bit. Um, but no, I, and that that's how it sort of started and that led then on to writing for, you know, I used to do stuff for Gardeners World magazine, The Garden, and there was one called BBC Easy Gardening, which is well, now You can gone. stop now, Martin. You can stop with the name checks. <laughs> well, now. my favourite, of course, <laughs> is Kitchen Garden. Oh, <laughs> oh well, that's all right, then. <laughs> so writing was sort of came along by accident, or did you just... Yeah, it, it was really. I, I like doing different things. And we'd got the nursery and, you know, I'd buy magazines and listen to the radio, gardening on the radio. So I, I actually wrote pretty much at the same time to the editor of, of Garden News and, and one of the editors at the BBC in Nottingham, just saying, you know, I'm a horticulturist. You know, we've, we've got, a, we're developing some gardens, but we've got a nursery. Any chance of some writing or broadcasting? And uh, I got a letter back saying, yes, would you write a feature for us on, it was actually on testing the soil, you know, the pH of the soil to see if it's mm. acidic or alkaline. And it, and they were very, and this course in the days before I even had a, a, it was computer, it was all typed on a typewriter. 
um, you know, so you I mean it was so slow because you'd make a mistake or two and you'd take it out and screw it off right away in the bin and start again. Um, and I sent this feature in, and they basically said on the letter because it was all done by letters, no emails. Then, if we like it, we'll publish it. If we don't, thank you, but basically don't come knocking on the door again, type of thing. Um, and they published it. Um, and what was the really surprising thing? Because we never ever talked about money or anything. About a fortnight later, I got a check in the post. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is something I could work on. This is, you know, I didn't realize I was going to get paid. I was very <laughs> young and naive in those days. So, yeah. Um, so that, it was, it was quite interesting how it all developed, really. Just one, one of those things that, you know, they could have easily written back and said, we don't need any more writers. And that would have been it. I probably wouldn't have bothered. But, once I'd got the book, then I, I and I do enjoy the writing. I really do because it's a. I find it a good way of passing on experience. I'm not a, you know, I could never write a novel. I haven't got. I'm not a good enough writer of English for that. But I find that I can. I I think my I describe my style as I write as I talk. So if you mm -hmm. were asking me how to do a job in the garden, I would be writing that down exactly as I'm speaking to you, and that that's sort of. The style I've got, and it means I can pass on my years of experience, whether it's good or bad. I can pass it on. Yeah, yeah. So was was running a nursery that must have been full on, was it? Yeah, it was. It 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 was. I mean, I because I trained on a parks, and but a lot of it was in the nursery. But when I did college, I did nursery practices, uh, so all sorts, and that included some fruit and veg production as well, but a lot of ornamentals. So my dream was, um, I was a head gardener. Uh, but my dream was to have um, a little nursery, and we bought, found a piece of land, cheapest we could get, because you know, as a head gardener, I was earning not a lot, and uh, built it up from there. Bought second-hand glass houses, second-hand polytunnels, um, and we did, we did okay. We we never got rich doing it, but I was very fortunate that we were a very traditional mixed nursery. So we were growing, you know, a few herbaceous, we were growing bedding plants, we were growing. Uh, seasonal veg plants, tomatoes and all the brassicas and cucumbers for spring, a few trees and shrubs. And we used to graft fruit trees as well. So a bit bit of everything. But I, I suppose what was good for us at the parks department that I originally worked for had sold off their nursery site um, and they were looking for somebody to grow their bedding for them. So I mm -hmm. fortunately got the contract and that really allowed us to develop the nursery. But yes, it was full on because I was trying to do a bit of writing. I was trying to do um, a bit of radio. I was also teaching part-time at the local agricultural college. I was teaching horticulture for nine years. And that was really just to bring a bit of extra cash in uh, to finance the nursery, to get it going. So yes, it was um, lots of long days and you know we were open to the public, so seven days a week. Uh, for quite a few years, but I, lo I loved it. I didn't. I don't consider a lot of what I do to be work, really. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So, which you know, you don't mind putting the time in if that's the case. Mm. And did, did you in your Nottinghamshire garden? Did you open that to the public? You used to have people in and give talks and. Yes, we did. Yeah, when when we we still got the nursery, but we were sort of scaling the nursery down a bit. Um, and we would have, yeah, WIs in and gardening clubs and, you know, mm. ladies groups. We do talks and tours of the garden. In fact, we yeah, we did sort of some biggish open days. I remember we did something for the BBC one year for children in need with Pudsey Bear and things oh, like wow. that. So, um, so, yeah, we used to use the garden. The garden became part of the business, really. 
and mm. and after we had that we had a bad flood in 2000 really bad flood you know we had sort of three feet of water through the nursery and that made us rethink because we lost all our stock of plants it was the end right. it was november all the stock you know shrubs and everything were just carried away in three feet of water so we'd either got to borrow a load of money to to restock the nursery ready for the spring or we could diversify so that was the point when jill and i thought well we've started to do some gardens which you were involved with steve let's build on that and we did more and then we opened it up to groups and we did filming for various companies if they'd got sheds they wanted to put in a garden to photograph or film they could hire the facility so that's the way we went from 2000 yeah. onwards until we moved we, we left in 2009 right yeah and then you went on to north yorkshire yes we went up to from nottinghamshire up to north yorkshire um the new new challenge really i i was involved a little bit with the harrogate flower shows i was they'd asked me to be their honorary president which i was for three years from 2006 but then they asked me if i would take on the role of show director the the, the show director they had uh, was retiring and they wanted somebody else, but they wanted somebody with more of a horticultural background, um, which the, the, the previous director hadn't. He was very good at his job, but he, he hadn't got a horticultural background. So they wanted to inject a bit more horticulture into the shows and different ideas. So uh, we moved, I think it was 2009, and I started the job in 2008 in the autumn. Um, so it meant moving, really, because it was too far to commute. Mm. And as I said, I like different projects and different challenges. Yeah. So. I, I kept on I kept on all, most of my writing at that probably all the writing at the time and the radio because uh, you can do the writing of an evening um, and I, I carried on doing radio in Nottingham from Yorkshire um, and then ran the flower shows for five years so the two shows the spring and the autumn show um, and left in the end of 2013 so I did 10 shows and I, I love this still, still very much involved with shows for, you know all over the country really but I, it was very much an office job. I was office bound Monday to Friday and, and I'd never been in that situation. And I must admit, I was finding it a bit difficult. I was missing my get my hands in the soil. So I yeah. left. I'm still involved. I work with the, the new director who I employed. I, I organise judging and do talks and things for them. But I went back to basically picking up where we were. And by then we were developing a new garden in North Yorkshire, which we did for the next 10 years, opened for groups and WIs and all sorts of things, but on a smaller scale, it was a smaller garden. Yeah, yeah. We, we briefly mentioned Jill. We ought to mention, we'll get into trouble if we don't mention her. Yes. Because you're, you're quite a team. And I know in the, the certainly the garden in Yorkshire, um, you know, you when you gave talks, Jill was there with you. She helps you with talks at shows and things now, doesn't mm. she? Yes, she does. Yeah. I mean, Jill originally oh, was a school teacher. I should mention. Your book, excellent book as well. Oh, right. Oh, yes. On, on the camera, but yeah. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll thank you. Jill supplies the well, recipes. We are looking because we've we've had two prints and we're <laughs> looking to get another print because we're getting very low on it and we still sell them at shows. So we are looking to get some more. But yes, Jill was originally a school teacher. Um, and then obviously when she met me and married me, um, she sort of got into the gardening a bit more. And it got to the point when we had... It was probably, I'm, I'm trying to think, it was probably when we were, we still had the nursery. It was before we sort of diversified. She um, 
I needed some extra help. I was going to have to employ somebody by that point um, to do sort of the office work and, and generally organize me. I'm not the most organized of people. <laughs> I know I look like I am, Steve, but I'm not. I have to have somebody <laughs> pushing me at times, like little emails saying, don't forget your copy marking and that type of thing. <laughs> and so, well, only now and again, I'm getting better because I've got Jill prodding me with a, a pitchfork. And Jill said, well, you know, I'm happy to give up my career because I want to work with you on the nursery. Um, so Jill stopped teaching, came to work with me. And as we've worked together ever since, and lots of people say, you know, how do you work with your wife all the time? But we love it. We, we really do genuinely enjoy working together. So yes, Jill, um, you know, would do talks and she would do all the catering for when we had groups and when we were doing television, we had quite a bit of television from the, the old garden in Nottinghamshire. She did all the catering. So it developed from there. And it, it was, again, working with Kitchen Garden that she was offered the job of a, a cookery writer. And I don't know whether you were still there then, Steve, or after you'd gone, but um, she did five years of do, yeah. doing the cookery writing. And, and then that led on to us doing talks together. And then the book came along. Uh, and what we do now is we work at lots of shows through the year. I think we've got probably 12 books for this coming season. So Jill comes with me to the shows. I do the gardening talks. And Jill, we do a joint one called Gardening on the Menu. And I talk about what veggies in season at the time. And then Jill will be cooking on stage a, a lovely recipe and showing you how you can use your homegrown fresh produce. So she's in the planning stage at the moment, deciding what to cook for the shows this year. So, And the exhibitors love it because we're usually in the floral marquee and they love it because with since COVID, it's difficult to give the samples away, you know, health and safety and all yeah. of this type of thing. So we, we often don't give the samples to the public, but the, we're allowed to poison the exhibitors. So they, <laughs> they come backstage and, and eat it. So, you know, they form a queue, an orderly queue. So it's good fun. And we do enjoy working together. Uh, but she's a very good gardener as well. Um, mm. Jill is, you know, she's had to be because having big gardens, she's been doing lots of the maintenance. So she's a, she's a good all-rounder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned shows. You're a show judge as well for the RHS. That must, be, must be interesting and challenging. Yeah, yes, it it is. I, I and I really enjoy. It. I mean, I I did it before I worked for, for Harrogate and and sort of local shows as well. Um, and did some with the RHS. Um, sort of about 2006 to 2008. But then I stopped doing that when I worked for Harrogate. Um, it was it would have been difficult to get the time off to do it, to be fair. But then when I left Harrogate, they approached me again and I, I started uh, doing more judging with them. And yeah, now I'm I'm officially called a senior judge. And I'm not sure whether that refers to my age or the fact that I've been doing it for a number of years. I'm not. Um, so a senior judge, we we judge, there, there's, a, there's sort of a handful of us, probably six of us that judge at all the RHS shows. And we either um, we either chair a judging panel or we do a process called moderation where you've got the judges and the panels going around, but you have moderators that sort of oversee it. And mm -hmm. it's to make sure that all the judging is done fairly within the panels and at the same level. So, um, yeah, no, I love it. So, all, yes, I mean, there aren't as many RHS shows as there used to be because Chatswood's gone, Cardiff's gone, but I do Chelsea and Hampton and Tatton and the Malvins for the RHS and then some of the garden shows at Hyde Hall and Harlow Car. So I, I do enjoy the judging. I mean, all that work is all voluntary, of course. 
but I just love being at the shows. Um, and it links in with the work because I do some committee work for the RHS as well. So it all sort of links nicely together. Yeah, yeah. Martin, you said that you, you, you're coming up to, did you say 46 years in the business? Yes. So what, what are the biggest changes do you think you've seen since you started? Biggest, well, 46 years. I told you I left school at 16. I was actually only six when I was <laughs> If people were trying to work it out. <laughs> the changes, there have been changes. Um, I think the style of gardening has changed somewhat. Um, you know, I, I, I was sort of taught by people when I was an apprentice, some of the older gardeners. I mean, this was in the late 70s and some of them had been working were old enough to have worked on the private estates and then as the private estates all closed a lot of the the gardeners and the head gardeners on the private estates sort of after the war went to work for local authorities on parks departments in the heyday of the parks department so they they'd had that really strict thorough training and um, which some of it sort of passed on to me as an apprentice i think that's all changed now gardening techniques have certainly changed I think the style, you know, people often garden, they don't want the garden to be as neat and tidy. Uh, the thing, and I'm, I'm, I have mixed thoughts on that. I think you can still have a very neat and tidy garden, but still cater for wildlife, mm -hmm. um, you know, by not cutting things down. But you can still trim your edges and, you know, control some of the weeds and that type of thing. So I think that's one of the, the main things. Um, I think certainly there's been the big boom in, in, um, resurgence in allotments which i think is fantastic you know they they're over the last you know 10 years they've just got so so popular um you know i remember sort of the days when you'd see loads of overgrown allotments because people didn't want them and then it's now completely the opposite they've all got big waiting lists so that is yeah. amazing to see that happening um and i think the plants we grow we, we grow a wider range of plants i think people are a bit more adventurous and certainly the seed catalogues and the nurseries have a, a much broader range of plants that we can grow. So, yes, it has changed. But I suppose, you know, from people going back 50 years before me would probably said the same, wouldn't they? You know, things change yeah, and evolve. Yeah. I think, you know, I remember the good old days, but were they really good old days? I don't know. <laughs> so are you, are, you a digger or, are you a digger or a no, a no digger? I, I am still a digger, but I'm not a deep digger. Um, I mean, we're very fortunate in the fact that where we, well, the new beds we've built here have got lovely soil in, and the um, the, the soil we had up in um, North Yorkshire was lovely soil. So I didn't really need to put a spade into it much. I would, I'm a tickler. I would, in the spring, I would, you know, <laughs> get the compost on it and tickle it with a fork, and that needed to be it. But I can't strictly say I'm an I'm a no dig. Um I, I have tried it. I did actually try it. Um well we, we actually did trials it's not new in a way because I remember as a as a col as a college student we had trial plots and we used to do various things. You'd dig them, you'd double dig them. We did some where you you just left them, you put some with manure on and all these different plots and grew in them and at the end of the year compared. Um, so we were we were sort of experimenting with it then. But when we lived in Nottinghamshire, we had really sticky clay. Um, and I did a phase of having a go at it. 
Um, and I must admit, I didn't get particularly good results. And and I know some of the experts will say, well, it works really well on clay soil, but we had, our clay you could have made bricks with. So we had that lovely layer of compost on, but the roots, mm. anything with a root crop just would not go down into it. Um, so mm. I, I, for that reason, then I did have to dig that a little bit more. But over the years, I, I'm a great believer in putting plenty of organic matter on whatever your soil. And, and I think if you get it into that condition, over time where you put loads of compost or manure on if you're lucky enough to be able to get it your soil doesn't then need to be dug with a trench every year mm. you, you can just sort of tickle it and loosen it up a little bit and, and away you go um i'm more into as well i like i do believe in rotation i very much believe in rotation um so i do have my different plots you know so where the you know move around so we you know if you've got problems with carrot root fly you're not coming back to that plot for three or four years so it's going to hopefully help to to get rid of some of the pests or the diseases in there but i'm not a no digger i'm a i'm a i am I would call myself minimal cultivation so i'm doing a bit of cultivating but shallow and putting loads of compost on ah right very interesting yeah i mean we should explain so what about you though are you all what going i'm going to turn the tails what about emma are you an od well, i've taken on a new plot so and, and literally it was absolutely got loads of nettles nettles growing on top of nettles and i thought there's no way i'm going to just stick a bit of cardboard down i think and put a bit of compost on top i, I think i'm going to have to dig this first so i'm afraid yeah for this first year i have gone through it all digging really deeply and getting every root out I can but mm. I probably will do a bit no dig eventually moving forward yeah. I think it be mm. not no dig but I'm yeah a bit like you I think probably very similar actually just yeah like, yeah yeah what about you then Steve well I've, I've tried both and um I mean it's all right in certain situations so where you've got raised beds it's fine mm. isn't it I think you can put a little bit of compost on the top but my daughter's just hoping to take on an allotment um, in Nottingham. And uh, that's in a bit of a state. And I'm thinking, and she's very much into no dig. That's what she wants to do. And I'm thinking, where's she going to get all the compost? You know, she get plenty of cardboard to lay down to make, make the beds. And then you put the compost on top, don't you? And the idea is that the cardboard rots and you can plant through, which is fine. And, and it may well work, but there's lots of big perennial weeds in there. And she's got no compost. So mm. I think she's going to have to dig to start, at least, as Emma says, you have to start it off. You're going to have to dig, really, to make any kind of impression. But... I think what Steve's trying to say, Martin, is if you're ever over Nottingham Way, yeah. <laughs> just pop down to see Kate. Yeah, we will okay. do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I might see Katie for a while, so that'd be good. With a, yeah. a barrel yeah. load of manure, <laughs> yeah. if possible. Yeah. I can try my best. Yeah, well, you have, exactly. I might come and visit you, Emma. Yes, bring the trailer up to visit you. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I saw something on, uh, I can't remember what social media platform it was. It was a, a little video where somebody was creating uh, beds. And I, don't, I don't even know the name of the lady, um, but she's obviously got a big following. And she was exactly doing the same. She was putting down the cardboard on, on weeds, which some other annuals i'm still a great believer i believe i think perennials will come through although you know some people say they don't but by the the way they grow i'm sure they will but then she was covering it over with three or four inches of compost to plant into but the compost she was putting on 
was a very well-known and expensive brand of multi-purpose compost. Uh, right. It was a peat-free compost that you would use for planting your containers and growing your plants in. And to, she probably had 20 bags of this. Yeah. I wouldn't have been afford to do it for a start because this yeah. compost retails at about nine or 10 quid a bag anyway. Yeah. So I thought not only are your vegetables going to cost a fortune, but environmentally that isn't good because the compost has got quite a big carbon footprint. It's, you know, made from bark that's probably imported. And I just think, you know, that that isn't an environmental way of mm. gardening. So I think sometimes some of the things we see that, on on social media um they might look good but they're not particularly effective cost effective or good for the environment so mm -hmm. i like to think the way i do it i make all my own garden compost i have about to buy some in get some in for the new garden to get us going but from now on it will all be made in the compost bin and that will go on the garden and that's it yeah 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 well we're getting towards our time our time's nearly out i can't believe it <gasps> it's martin he just keeps Talking and talking, and before you know it. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention you've, you've, as well as everything else, Martin, you've got a new podcast. I understand. Yes, I have. Tell us about it's, that. Well, the the, the pod, pots and trowels podcast. We started it in November time. Um, so Jill's involved, and and Sean is a guy I work with. I used to wear them at the BBC. So Sean and uh, we do a, we do a video as well, a pots and trowels video that we've been doing weekly for the last four or five years since before lockdown. So we, we were doing the weekly videos, um, but because I've been doing the radio for so long and, and podcasts seem to be the thing, we thought let's do a podcast. So we launched it in uh, November. So it's still relatively new. Um, and the idea is every week we, we get a guest, uh, uh, an eminent horticulturist. I mean, you've been on it, Steve. Um, so, <laughs> well, yes. And Steve, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, and then we go, I answer a few questions. We give a few jobs. <laughs> so it, it's very much sort of magazine-y format, uh, just, you know, about 30, 40 minutes maximum uh, once a week. And, and what I will do is when I go to the shows in the summer, uh, I can then speak to some of the, the specialist nursery exhibitors there um, and visit gardens as well. So it's it's a bit more difficult in the winter, but come spring when the gardens are all open, we can get out and do the interview from there. So yeah, so far, touch wood, it's, it's going okay. And it's, it's available on, I didn't know how to, what podcasts were, but it's available on all the podcast providers. So if anybody <laughs> knows about the podcast, look for Pots and Trials. We, we, we put it out every Sunday morning. Um, and the plan is to carry on right through. We're not going to do seasons or series. We're just going to plough on and keep doing it weekly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can recommend it. I've listened to it. I haven't actually listened to my own one because I, I can never be good. It was a good one, Steve, yeah. Some lovely ones from Gardens that you did last year and fascinating. So, uh, yeah, I can certainly recommend that. Oh, Thank well, you. Thanks for joining us, Martin. It's We, we could go on for hours, couldn't we, really? Because it's, it's just great to talk to you. <laughs> it's just lovely. No, thank you. <laughs> That's good. No, um, anytime, you know, I, one of the lovely things about my job is quite a lot of it, I get paid to talk. So you can't go wrong, <laughs> can you really? <laughs> oh, and I should say that, of course, um, Martin started a new garden um, in Lincolnshire this time. Mm. Um, and it's the basis of your features this year in Kitchen Garden magazine. So if readers want to know more about garden and the techniques you're using, raised beds, um, I think you're going to plant, you're planting fruit in there as well, Martin, because you had yes. the collection of Nottinghamshire apples in your Nottinghamshire garden. So uh, if you're 
planting fruit? Yes, yeah, there's going to be fruit. It's it's a much smaller garden because the ground conditions were horrible below it. We've gone for raised beds, but and and it's in a very visible place, so we want it to be ornamental as well. So it will include uh, fruit and veg and trained fruit as well, but also some flowers in there to get colour and herbs. So it, it's we want it to be quite a nice attractive little garden so uh yes so it, it's all happening in there now and looking forward to seeing it develop yeah well as i say readers of kitchen garden will be able to see it through the season um, right from what we've just uh in the latest magazine it's you're literally taking the turf off and uh, right the way through to when you're harvesting later in the year so uh, watch out for that so thanks guys it's been lovely talking to you lovely talking to you martin and uh, we, we must do this again soon. <laughs> we must do. Thank you. Bye. Until then, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it and we'll, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.